0: You know what? We are so glad that you're with us and that you've joined us. Uh, somebody was, I, last time we, got, we were together. If you were here, talked about men, and somebody said, "So you're going to talk about women now, right?" And I am. And here it is. You are so amazing. Thank you for putting up with us. All right. Instead, we are going to talk about the Holy Spirit and something that God's been sort of stirring in me for a while. And, and it's that sense of that our faith, if we live it a while, we can go in autopilot and we can be kind of like a, what we believe, which is, is important, and what we do, which is important. But we can forget that being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus is experiential. There is something that God wants you to experience in him that is completely different than the, you know, increasingly in the shelves of the bookstore or online, there's this spirituality stuff. When you read all of it, it's about this deep. And when you become a Christian, you realize that having a life in the Holy Spirit is really deep. There is an experience that God wants you to have. And in fact, he gives us, we'll call them life experiences. Where, you, where he does something for you, in you, with you, that you really get. And it's intended to be one of those things that... Um is is to ground you and really kind of make a a bullet point on this to say hey listen this is something i want you to know and he'll give you an experience of that he did it in the old testament to uh, abraham when he sees the stars and he goes through the whole thing he did it to jonah even though it didn't kind of work out that well he each one of us have a decision and he does it in the new testament when he gives us the holy spirit there is something that he wants you to experience, and here's the thing that it's gonna be. It's gonna be absolutely brilliant because it's made just for you. It is his fingerprint on it because he created you and it's gonna be just for you. The second thing is this, it's gonna be personal because the Holy Spirit is not some spirit out there. It is in, the Holy Spirit is a person who's in you. And as we talk today, I have a bunch of stories as I've been talking to people, and and I'm going to get to about half of them. And as you hear these stories, I hope what you get from them is a stirring to say, oh, yeah, and this is my story. Oh, yeah, I want a story on that. You see, in the beginning, and this is Aubrey's version, in the beginning, before time, before the world was made, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were sitting around, and they were daydreaming about their kids, that they were going to have and they began talking and they said hey you know what we should do is you know we we can create just the earth but we should create a whole universe and everything in that universe is going to display the glory of who we are. And in fact, we're going to make their bodies so amazing that if you like take their eye apart and you look at it and you see it, it's just incredible. There's such intricacy and such ability and all of these things. We're going to display who we are through this amazing universe. And the father begins to talk to, And he says, you know what? I think what I want to do is I want to make... All of humankind in our image. Give them the ability to love. They're going to be creative. They're going to be able to do stuff. Nothing is going to be able to stand in their way if they put their mind to it. They are going to be a whole host of different things. And I'm going to love them with a love that never ends. And my mercy is going to be new to them every morning. And you can just hear Father, Son, and Holy Spirit talking. But then it gets really quiet. And the Son says, yeah. And and I know that we know that they're not gonna do so well because they're gonna choose the wrong way and they're gonna be so stuck because nothing that they do can get themselves right. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna come down and I'm gonna put aside my heaven time and I'm gonna go down and I am gonna become one of them. And you can almost feel the oxygen getting sucked out of the angels. Like this isn't possible And he says, I'm going to love them, and I'm going to love you, Dad, so much that I'm going to give myself for them. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to take all their sins, everything they've ever done, past, present, future, all their diseases, and I'm going to make a way for them to live with us forever. And you can sort of feel heaven throbbing at the plan. And then they look at the Holy Spirit, and this is, like, I did mention this was Aubrey's version, right? And father and son wink at each other and they go, yeah, and Holy Spirit, here's what you can do. Um, You can go down and you can tell them all the things that are mad about and bad about them and give them religious guilt. And they all burst out laughing and high fives and fist bumps. They go, who would want that job? That's a terrible job. You know why? Because that's not what the Holy Spirit does, right? Sometimes we think that's what the Holy Spirit does. But the Holy Spirit has a whole different job description than that. The Holy Spirit's job is, in fact, to reveal who God is to you. To reveal the love that he has for you. To reveal whose you are. To give you the ability to know what to think, what to say, where to go, what to do. And to have you walk out your life that such a way that as you come to the end of your life, you have the ability to walk into heaven and join Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it is personal. The person of the Holy Spirit walks with you. You know, as I've been thinking about this whole personal thing, I, I've uh, seen over the last month, I'm a sports guy. You don't have to be to get this. I, there's been a, a guy that's been in the news that has been maybe one of those painful public things that I've seen walked out. And his name is Bruce Boudreaux. He's a coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Now they're not a very good team. And uh, this year they're really quite terrible. And he's been the coach at you know, last year, the man, the boss said, well, we're not even sure we're gonna keep him around, but they sort of kept him around. And then about a month ago, five weeks ago, it came out that his boss had already knows who he was gonna hire, that they were gonna fire him, and they were just signing up the details of, uh, of this, right? And, and every day, guys, every day, he would come out in front of the media and he would have to talk to them and they knew he was going to get fired. And days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months and it was painful. Finally, he just said, you know, I do know what's going on, right? I know that Rick Talkett's going to be the next coach. <laughs> I was just thinking, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And eventually, and eventually he would say this stuff and, and he was starting to get emotional. He's like the 68 year old guy, best record of any coach over a thousand games. He's really, really quite good, affable, connects with people. And every day he'd come out and do this and it was so painful. Finally, even the fans, even though their team was quite terrible, the fans would start chanting his name during the game. And he had a little saying. He'd say, well, there it is, right? And the whole stadium or the whole arena was going, Bruce, there it is, Bruce. And (laughs) this guy's about to be fired. I thought, wow, how could you possibly screw this up worse? I don't think it's possible, right? And so eventually, the guy gets fired And the day before, this is the picture that he put up there. This is a picture of him. All the fans are shouting his name. And he said, just hold it together. Just hold it together. And he is receiving this. He said, you know, at that moment, he says, I've won championships. I've done all of this stuff. That moment that I experienced, I'm going to remember that forever. His boss gets up, you know, a little little bit later. and He said, well, you know, it isn't personal. We just, (laughs) I'm thinking. It is personal. <laughs> You're firing the guy. It's horrible. And and the ironic thing was, is they had this. I think one of these companies does this mental health in the workplace. And as the guy was talking, how it wasn't personal, and you know this is just the way it happens. There was this mental health thing in the back of it. <laughs> it's just right. It is personal. And and the thing that I, as I was listening to the, that whole thing unfold, it was sort of interesting to me because. He said, you know what, I've won all these championships, I've done all this stuff, this is one of those things that I'm gonna remember. This is an experience that I had with people that really touched him deeply. And this is exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to bring some experiences, things that you believe are good, the way that you live is good, but he wants to bring some experiences into your life that will punctuate some things that are so important for you. So let's look at John 14 and explain exactly how this works. John 14 says, I will ask the father, this is Jesus, father, son, Holy spirit, right? And he will give you another advocate, say advocate, to help you. This is what advocate means to help you to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. There's a worldly kind of knowledge and understanding that, that they just don't get. Isn't it isn't that they aren't smart. They just don't, they don't get it. But he says, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, as you read this, I'd like you to think back to the time where Jesus has done everything that he's going to do. And he goes up to the disciples and he's having his last conversation with them and he says you know what it's better for me that you go away because i'm going to give you the comforter and i want you to think about that for a minute it's better for you that i go away how would it be better like i know it's better for us because now we all have the holy spirit and i know it's better for somebody else who wasn't with them Because, you know, Jesus was right there. How is it better? Jesus was the guy that when he was sinking into the water, Jesus actually came and pulled him up. Right? When they had no idea what he was talking about, which was like most of the time, he would take them up privately up to the mountain and he would say, this is what that parable means. And Jesus said, but you know what? It's better that I go away. It's better for you. Do you know why it's better for you? Come on. It's better for you because I live here. And for every one of you, that's what he says. It's better for you because I am in you. And there is something that God wants to do that is fuller, deeper, greater for all of us that is unique to you and has your fingerprint on it because he made that fingerprint that says, I want that you thing to be incredibly profound. I want you to experience something. So here's how this looks. I Put together a little chart of some things. Jesus says at the beginning, he says, when you pray, I want you to pray this. I want you to pray the kingdom will come. The kingdom is like all the stuff that's completely under God's control. It's amazing that it's absolutely perfect. And what he says, I want you to get little bits of heaven into your everyday life. See those brightness there? I want you in your work life, in your student life, in your life when you're frustrated, in your life when you don't know where to go, I want, to, I want the Holy Spirit to come and to bring little bits of light into your life because the, the resources of heaven are actually, we get pieces of that in our life. And here's how we do it. The Bible says that there is, uses different phraseologies, one of them is, there's a hidden place. There's a place where you and God connect, and the hidden place could be you driving in your car to work every morning. It it could be just in that moment when your spouse says, and what do you say to that? And you go, if I open my mouth, something bad is gonna come out. God help me. That could be your hidden place. Anything that you do where you take time to go away and you say, Okay, God, I actually need this. I need the resources of heaven to come in. I need the light of this to come into my life. And God wants to have experiences that solidify that for you. Because most of the light, most of the time, we can live our life and just wander and meander. And He says, The Bible says, Yeah, that's the way the world does it. The world's got a, a way of doing things, but they don't get the Spirit. You have the spirit in you. And you're in this whole journey of learning what that looks like. I I spent the last couple of weeks talking to different people, and it was absolutely fascinating because different people have completely different experiences. Somebody has a music playlist. Every time that they like a song, they hit play. And uh, when they're really struggling, they basically go away and they say, God, I need something good right now. And they just hit play in their playlist. And the song that comes out is exactly the thing that God wants them to have. There's another person who, uh, she was single for a long time, got married. And uh, I have to say this with a bit of a smile because it's kind of funny. Um, She, whatever her husband would drive, she would be scared spitless and be anxious. Right? And I said, Oh, control issues. She goes, Yes, I have very control issues, and I'm terrified. <laughs> I resemble that call, man. I know how that works in my family, too. And so she says, But here's the thing I, I, I don't want to dishonor my husband, I don't want to do whatever. So this was her story, and, and this was that experience that she had. She had the experience of saying, Okay, God, uh, we're going on a long trip over a few provinces. I don't want to be anxious this whole time. I don't want to cause this friction. I need you to help me. He will be your helper. Okay? Like she could have sucked it up, or she could have, and all those things are fine. But she says, you know what, God? I need your help. And and just as she was getting into the car, I think she'd maybe even forgotten about the ask. God sort of spoke into her mind, and spoke is sort of like she has a thought. And said, I'm going to show you some things to help you know that I am with you. And in that uh, trip, over a number of hours, she experienced like three or four things that she had never seen before. And I I think it was something like, you know, that as she was driving by, there was a, a group of deer right beside her. And the deer were sort of watching her as she went by. And they just sort of chewed. And it was very peaceful. She was she's watching in the field, and the field just seemed to sort of light up in a way that she had never seen it before. It wasn't the first of July. They were driving by this little town in Saskatchewan, and all of a sudden fireworks started going off. And she's going, Oh, you are with me. Whew. Even if my husband is a bad driver. Amen. He's still with you. I saw a few wives patting their husbands. How sweet. (laughs) In the midst of whatever it is that you're doing, God wants to, and there's a whole bunch of different stories, God wants to give you something that's really significant. My wife gave me permission to tell this story because I felt like it it was important. A while ago, a long time ago, actually, she was in a place that was really tough and very difficult and she was struggling and kind of struggling to say, you know, where's my worth in this? Where's my, where's my ability to make a difference in the world? And God gave her a dream. And if God gives you a dream, it's one of the ways that he speaks to us. Give her a dream that you know it and it's full and it's peaceful. And there's a sense of his spirit kind of around it. And in this dream, she was climbing up this mountain. She had ratty clothes on. It was all ripped and torn and she was all dirty and there was nothing attractive at all and she's climbing this mountain, gets above the tree line, and she starts to dig through this shale and this rock, and her hands are getting all cut up, and she's bleeding, and it's just a scene that you would never want to be in. It was cold, it was miserable, it was windy. A little bit of an analogy of how she was feeling at that moment, and as she gets through, she gets down to the clay, and she's artistic, and so she grabs like three balls of clay because she wants to make something out of the clay for God, she wants to make her life to be something, right? And as she takes these clay balls and begins to work it and make something, she ends up looking at this ball and thinking, this is like a two-year-old. This is so terrible, there's not, this is nothing nice about this at all. And just at that moment, God breaks in. And God comes down and he takes that ball of clay And in that moment, her heart was incredibly warmed. And if you're a parent, you totally get this. There was that sense of God saying, what an amazing gift that you've given me. You, because it comes from you to me, this is so incredibly special to me. And it's like, oh. Now, for some of you, that would mean absolutely nothing. But in that moment... It was a watershed time for her. And that's somebody for you, because my wife is very private and she doesn't generally share stuff. In your life, God wants to do these things and he wants to do it three ways. And we're gonna take the next few minutes to do this, to look and say, how does the Holy Spirit do it? The Holy Spirit wants to be your influencer. He wants to be your guide and he wants to be your freedom fighter. So he wants to be your influencer, and uh, he wants to do that in a way that he is the spirit of truth. So I want you to take a minute, and I think, you know, the influencer, I think you probably would know what this is. There's, uh, there is in our world, remember the world's way of doing things? There's the spirit's way of doing things. Have, I have the top four influence, social media influencers that are around. And the first one is Cristiano Ronaldo. Over half A billion people follow him. And I know many of you are football, you know, so you say, yeah, okay. But I'm thinking, you know, really, a washed up football player? Ooh, a little harsh, eh? Kind of though, true, right? Half a billion people, and then, you know, and and I'll be nice as I go down the list, right? You know, but then you have Justin Bieber, Ariel Grande, and Selena Gomez, and things. These are the people who are the main influencers in our world. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, that is not you. Please give me an amen. amen. Oh, thank the Lord. Otherwise, I'd have to quit. Now, I have another option for you as you think about this, because here's what I want you to think about. Who are your influencers? Who? Oh, oh yeah, Jesus, very good answer. But I'd like you to think about this. Who do you spend the most time thinking about who do you mo- spend the most time uh, reading about? Who do you spend the most time talking to? Because you can't just say somebody is your influencer and then not actually have any time or spend any time with them or do any stuff with them, right? Isn't that, isn't that true? So who, in practical terms, is your number one influencer? Uh, I, I have good news for you. You can think about that. I have good news for you, and that's this. For most of you, because you're here, this is one of your influencers, right here. Yes, greater purpose, greater perspective. We got, you got the greater, because you come to this church, you have a guy who will do stuff, well actually he loves the Superman costume, but he'll do a whole bunch of stuff, right? Just to make sure that you understand who you can actually be in Christ, that you are greater than you think you are. Because Jesus lives in you, and the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you have this amazing pastor who does that. He's one of your influencers. Who else, if you're really honest, I want you to assess for yourself, please don't say out loud, who is it that really are your influencers in your life? Because it's an important question for us to say, if I look at that, I need to be really, really sure. I think, un, if I don't really look at it carefully, I sort of fall into natural stuff. It's natural for me to be influenced by people who think like me, right? Because I hear something, it makes sense to me, and I go, oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's not always good, right? That's called an echo chamber, right? So you just talk to the people or you just listen to people who think like you. And, I'll, and I'm gonna be you know, kind of straight out because I think you need this. If somebody doesn't know Jesus, they may have some nice thoughts, but they don't have the spirit, so that means they don't have the place of influence, primary influence in your life, right? There's a whole bunch of people who sound wise, but there is a Holy Spirit wisdom that they are missing. And if you are a follower of Jesus, that is not your primary influence. There are circumstances that if we just sort of let life go and let it flow, we'll just sort of let life happen. And we won't uh, do anything. And And circumstance can be our primary influence. Our feelings can be our primary influence. And this is, I think, Probably the biggest one that I see in our society is that, you know, I think it's, you remember that old Eagle song? I got a peaceful, easy feeling that you won't let me down. I'm pretty sure that guy's been divorced six times. (laughs) Peaceful, easy feeling, not helpful, right? In your life, there's the circumstances, the people who don't know Jesus, the, the feelings that we have in our life. If we just let life happen, though Those are going to be the influences that we have in our life. Those are going to be the primary influences. But what the spirit of truth says is he wants to do this. He wants to remind you of the things that I've already told you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. There's uh, a lady in our church who is kind of a feeler. And so God would speak to her in a feeling way. And she told me this story, and she says that... Uh, She had somebody actually gave her a week to go down to Orlando, the happiest place on earth. Right. And she could go there and she decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay in my hotel. I'm just going to go by the pool. And I am going to try to focus on God and have devotions and I'll be in a nice warm place and everything like that. And she says, I'm not going to go to Disneyland or do all this other kind of stuff. I'm just going to do this. And at least as I remember the story, it's like day one, day two, day three, not fantastic. I think her ears popped or something on the way in the airplane, so she was suffering and feeling gross. And and I thought that was, this is perfect, guys, right? Because we would like our our quiet time, our time with God, to be like, you put the money in, you pull the lever, and it pops out. Does that happen sometimes? Eh. Maybe a little bit, but most of the time it's like day one, day two, day three, and you have to push into it and you have to say, okay, is this really worth it? And and it's not like God's messing with you, but a lot of times you just sort of got to get rid of stuff. I think it was day four, if I have that correct, is that she's sitting there in her chair and she's decided not to go to Disneyland. She's gonna focus on God. She's gonna be in this place. And, and this airplane comes by. You know those airplanes that are right in the sky? It's usually like, will you marry me? Right, and, or whatever. And it was three words came up. I think it was something like, me, she, love. And she told me these words and I thought, that doesn't make any sense to me. And she goes, seriously? That was like exactly God talking to me. Those are the three words. And I'm thinking, I still don't get it. I said, okay, good, yeah, that's great. And and then she says, and you know what happened next? The plane went around for another pass, and the words, love Jesus, were written in the sky. And I was like, (laughs) and some of you are so cynical, you're going, what? It wasn't for you, it was for her. (laughs) Right? God takes and says, let me remind you of the things that I've said. And he uses all sorts of different ways. She is never going to forget love Jesus being written in the sky. And that was God's gift to her. What are the gifts that God's given to you? What are the ways that you've encountered him, that you've had experiences with him, that you've said, where you've said, yeah, you know what, I know that I know because he's reminding me of those things. A lot of times they happen when we choose to be quiet, when we choose to shut our mouth, and allow him to move. I want to tell you of of my situation like this. It was just after the pandemic and I was, I think I told you some of this, I was like completely cooked. Um, I was so tired and tired of the disagreement and you know, like nothing personal. I know the message is, it is personal. This part isn't personal. Some of you are kind of nuts, right? (laughs) (laughs) You were supposed to laugh at that point. You're not supposed to take that personal. And so there was this stuff going on and everything. And I was so sick of it. And I was just like done. And it wasn't personal with you. It was just like, and I remember thinking, huh. Because <sighs> when, you, when you're tired and you're empty, you think all sorts of squirrely things, right? We're thinking, I don't even know if I want to be a pastor anymore. Because this is like, Lord, they're like certifiable, right? Not personal. And I uh, went away, spent 10 days, and Eileen and I went somewhere else and just kind of And uh, we took some material, I think it's called emotion, Emotionally Healthy Christianity, Emotionally Healthy something, and, uh, cause I was really needed that. And, and we were reading through this stuff and, and three times a day you would do stuff. And as I'm reading through this stuff, you can tell I was in not fantastic space. I was leading all this stuff. I thought, well, that's a terrible question. I would've done a way better question than that. Boy, this material isn't very funny. These guys clearly aren't from Church of the Rock, right? And, Up your game a little bit, right? And I was was totally getting nothing out of this, right? And every time, three times a day, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to lay down. Well, I I lay down and just listen to God. You know, Eileen and I were doing this, and and so I laid down, and God kept giving me these pictures. I'm kind of a picture guy. Give me these pictures of stuff that was amazing. And like first day, second day, third day, Eileen looks at me, you got another picture? I said, yeah. She goes, you're not that holy. I go, I know. (laughs) She didn't say that. And, and I get these pictures of stuff, and God was just going boom, 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 boom. And then every night we would walk past this place that had this most beautiful tree. It was, it was in Florida. And, and it, was, it was the most beautiful tree I've ever seen. And it was you know huge, and the whole thing was flowering, and there were colors on it, and it was amazing. And I remember walking by that tree, and, and then I got a, started getting a picture of that tree, and God gave me a picture of what that tree would look like. This is my perception of what that tree would look like in the new heaven heaven and the new earth and it was like astonishing and the thought that came to me says behold I make all things new I was like oh yeah you know what they're actually not nuts they're just on a journey like I am and I actually love being a pastor such an honor to do that But the only way I got there was by going and stopping and doing something different that I had never done before so I could get a different result than when I was in the middle of, because I was not great. God wants to take his kingdom, bring it into your everyday life and have that effect because he has a place where he and you can do things that only are between he and you where his fingerprint is on it because he made you. Second thing is this, he not only wants to do that, he also wants to be your guide. Uh, when Eileen when and I were, had our boys at home, we thought we would take them on a, on a trip one time. And so we took them to Cuba and they had just been doing lots of travel. My, my sons are like world travelers and uh, we kind of didn't think this through. And uh, we stayed in this nice hotel and they hated every minute of it. We spent a lot of money to bring them to this place, and we thought, and we had, it was like our least favorite family holiday that we'd ever done. My son came back to the motel and he goes, people keep asking me if they can do something for me. That's annoying. I'm thinking, no, it's not. It's like why I go on holidays and I had like all the Coke I could drink. I'm not a drinker, so they just keep feeding me Coke all the time. I said, this is like perfect. What's wrong with you? And they said, ah, we don't want to be in this, this, you know, this, whole, this thing anymore. And we had this thing going on. I was thinking, man, these kids are annoying. I looked to Eileen and I said, why do we have kids again? <laughs> Neither of us could come up with a good answer. And so we leave, and they said, you know, we're going to go. And we're in Veradero. We're, we're going to go to Havana, and we're going to hitchhike there. And i did not sure you could do that, right? I said, fine, just go. And because uh, they're like in their 20s now. Some of you think bad parenting, <laughs> whatever. My life, I can do what I want. <laughs> and uh, so, so we went to Havana, and we took this tour and we had a guide and he showed us all the historical sites, He showed us all the culture, all the history. They were locals so they went and took you to your own place where they fed you lobster, did this whole thing and we had this amazing meal and we had all this stuff and it was like, oh, this is great. And so the guys came to the place where we are staying, so what'd you do? He said, well, yeah, we kind of wandered around and we ate at this kind of hole in the wall restaurant because we thought it'd be good but we aren't kind of feeling really good. And I'm going, ha! No, I didn't say that, actually. I said, yeah, I don't know, slightly vindictive, right? I said, you know what? Isn't that interesting, right? Is you can live your life wandering around. You can live your life with a map, which is sort of helpful, or you can live your life with a guide who's actually personal, who takes you to those places that you need to go and moves you to that stuff. And I thought, this is good, at least out of that trip i have one sermon illustration so i feel better thank you for the therapy (laughs) god is our guide And he's our guide in speaking the way we would like to speak, in hearing his voice, in in doing the things, in understanding. Some of you hear it from, you get peace in your heart. Some of you hear it where you actually get uh, like a semi-audible voice. Some of you have dreams. Some of you have visions. Some of you get pictures. Some of you uh, have circumstances that happen to you that happen to nobody else. I know this lady who would always find money all the time. And it was, she wasn't like selfish. She would just give it away, but she would find money. You would be shocked how much hundreds of dollars she would find all the time just laying around. That was like her deal with God. She and God had this little deal. She, she'd find money. She'd give it away. That'd be pretty sweet, eh? Whoo! That was the thing that she and God did. Now, God speaks to us in whole different ways. But here's what I want to encourage you in as we just wind up this point. Hey, what, how he speaks to you is actually something that you learn over the years. Sometimes what happens is you just get frustrated because he isn't doing it like these stories that I've been telling you. And you don't kind of get it, so you just quit. Or you, don't really, you get passive on it, and getting passive means quitting. And going back to that place and saying, God, I really want to hear you. There's a young lady in our, in our church who said, um, you know how this happened to me? She said, I was 15 and my parents were great. They have this great church they were a part of, but I actually had no experiences in my life. I was just doing the Christian thing. And for all of us, when we grow up in church, we have to make that decision for ourselves, right? We have to get it for us. And she says, okay, so one day I just got annoyed and I said, okay, God, I want some of those things for me. And so what she did is she signed the check before God put the amount in. She's like, whatever you're going to want me to do, I'm going to do. And so God said, okay, gave her three people who were sick that she had to pray for. And I think one of them was a complete stranger. You know what happened to her? All three of them got healed instantaneously. (laughs) It's like, and that has never happened to her again. Might, but you know what? What was God doing? He was saying, you know what? I am personal. I want you to get this, because this is for you. Uh, that, that growing and learning is something that's so important for all of us. Uh, my wife and I married uh, th- or have been together 38 years, and I don't actually need people to interpret f- her for me. Like when she calls, usually these days, it's like, hey, is how we start our conversations. And she'll say, hey, would you take out the farmer's sausage? Would you turn on the oven? Would you chop up some vegetables? I'll be home in 20 minutes. And I don't say, who are you? What, what's, what's this? What, I don't know what salad, like what vegetables everything, because I know her voice, right? I've heard it before. I had 38 years of hearing the first thing and then tuning out and going, man, I should have wrote that down. So then, because I'm not really good at that, I cover up with things like, well, she'll call back, did you get all that? I said, yes, honey. You know, there's that phrase where he said, you had me at, yeah, I said, you had me at farmer sausage. (laughs) That's way funnier than you laughed. (laughs) The ladies are just going, what an idiot. You should have listened to the list. I know my wife's voice. She doesn't have to say, oh, this is Eileen, by the way, your wife. She, I know, know because we have spent time talking. We spend time communicating. Sometimes you don't get it right away, but God is incredibly patient with you. He has you, and he will walk you through it. He wants to be your guide. Last thing is, he wants to be your freedom fighter. And uh, this is, I think, one of those things that's incredibly important for us. Because there is a way in which if you just wander around in your life, you're going to be way less free than God wants you to be. Because you're not going to get to the place that God wants you to get to. And the freedom that God wants you to have, and this is, I think Romans 8 is sort of the pinnacle of this, that it teaches us something that's incredibly important. And I'm going to do this whole thing in like three minutes. That's probably a 30-minute thing. In the beginning of... Romans 7 talks about sin and how all of us sin all the time and it's annoying and it's frustrating. And we get to then Romans starts out and it says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation? None. So, but here's what, here's how we live. Because in practical terms, almost none of us get this. The Holy Spirit is continually working at this in your life. Because usually what happens is we try, we sin, we feel condemned. We repent, we feel a little less condemned because we know we're going to do it again and we sort of live in low grade condemnation. Kind of true. It's like we see God, Jesus standing before God, and He says, Father, Uh, Aubrey has done the same thing for the 258th time. Would you please forgive him? And we kind of see the father going, well, you know, I am merciful and I I probably should do this. So yeah, I guess I'll forgive him. Instead, what does the Bible say? He is faithful and just. Hey, why does it say just? Justice means that justice has been served. And so instead, what Jesus does is he comes and he stands in front of the Father, and his arms are stretched out, and he has holes in his palms, and his blood has been shed. And that means that there is no condemnation because everything has been paid. It's been done. I don't have to live in that place anymore because there's no shame, no sin, no regret, no past mistakes, unforgiven hurt, because the justice of those things was taken care of on the cross and my condemnation is done. And you know what? Almost none of us live like that. Well, there's some condemnation. Well, there's like, no, there is no condemnation. This is why you need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is your freedom fighter. What he does is he reminds you of the fact that no matter what happens, it is going to be okay. I, I... I told you I'd said this Saturday service, I'm gonna do this again. It's like Pastor Steve's son would come to him and let's say like theoretically in junior high, he would have said to him something disrespectful. I know that hardly ever would have happened. Your dad was laughing at that point when I said that. But he said some, and it's like Steve Steve would say to him, huh, well you're out of the will, that's it. Like every time he says something disrespectful, he just, Steve just goes, you're out of the will. And then he comes back, because he's actually a really great guy, really nice guy. He comes back and he says, I'm sorry, Dad. He goes, okay, you're back in the will. (laughs) And it's kind of how we live, right? There is no condemnation. God's not taking you in and out of the will. It says neither life nor death nor angels nor demons nor things present nor things past. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You better give him a hand for that nothing. And the Holy Spirit is your freedom fighter that every day he wants to remind you, stir you up, get you to get that. You know, the the woman caught in adultery is the perfect place for this because he says, he sends away the woman's accusers. That's what Jesus does to the enemy in your life. He sends them away. Then he looks at the lady and says, I don't accuse you either. See, the little The little Pharisee evangelical would like to say, hmm." and then he says, go sin no more. Hey, you know what? That's the only way this works is if it's over here, your accuser's gone, I don't accuse you. Now you don't have to sin because the Holy Spirit is your freedom fighter. Amen? Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand? I'd like you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Whether you are online or in person, I'd like to give you an opportunity to respond back and we'll do it in two ways. One is if you have never made the decision to give Jesus leadership of your life, to give God that first place, or maybe you have a long time ago and you slipped away. If you're online, there's a little button that's gonna pop up in this room. Everybody, eyes closed, this is between you, me, and God with them. Just raise your hand up. Is that you, that you want to make that decision again? Or you need to make that decision now? You say, I want to go to heaven when I die. If that's you, thank you in the back. Yeah, that's great. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer together. And at the end of this prayer, we're going to just really thank God for who the Holy Spirit is in our life, that it's personal. That he has these things for you that he wants to bring into your life. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me, that he rose again, and there is no condemnation. Today I choose to accept that. Your gift given to me, I am no longer condemned. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I choose to walk in that and to receive it every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand? All right.